0: Welcome, Fantabulous Souls, to Psychically Speaking. I'm Psychically Ann, your host on this transformative journey of body, mind, and spirit. Join me, a psychic medium and healer, as we explore the wonders of life, share experiences, and grow together. Whether you're new to spirituality, an old soul, an empath, or a seasoned professional, this podcast has something special just for you. So let's dive in and embark on a journey of learning, healing, and personal growth together. Hey, everybody. I am so excited to introduce you to our guest today, Dr. Denise Frucci. We're going to be talking about EMDR. If you don't know what that is, you are going to want to stay tuned and listen to this. I am so thrilled to have her on. So let's bring her in and let's get this show going. Welcome, Dr. Denise. I am so thrilled, as I said, to have you on today. I have been referring clients for EMDR therapy for the longest time. And I cannot believe every time I refer somebody, I always get the same thing. People go, what is that? So I want to jump right in. I'm giving the floor to you. What is EMDR?
1: All right. Before we actually talk about what EMDR is, let me kind of set the stage with what happens just briefly. Let me set the with what happens during trauma and then we can talk about trauma as related to the EMDR. So the significant thing that happens during trauma is we freeze emotionally. It's like there's a part of the brain, I like to think that there's a part of the brain that freezes during the traumatic event incident situation that's one thing that happens. The other very significant thing that happens is during a traumatic event, we internalize a negative belief about ourselves. So depending on what the the nature of the trauma, um, say, say somebody's in a war zone, somebody's in battle. Well, it's kind of obvious that their negative belief might be, I'm unsafe. They are in fact in an unsafe situation, but for somebody else in a different type of traumatic situation, the negative belief is gonna be different And, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. So there's that internalized negative belief that then gets carried forward from that moment on. The other thing that happens is we get stuck during the traumatic event and we lose our ability to access resources that would help us to act function in an adaptive way so all of that is what's happening during the traumatic event so now emdr as related to that all right so and
0: this, as this trauma is happening, that's not like something that you're consciously aware of, like, I'm having this no. negative belief, right? And that's why a lot of times people don't even connect. To exactly. In
1: fact, it's, it's okay. probably, it's probably an, un, in, in most situations, an unconscious thing that happens. it's, it's happening unconsciously. All right. So EMDR. EMDR, Eye Movement Desensitization Reprocessing, a fancy name for bilateral movement of sensory modalities, a fancy name for back and forth movement, bilateral back and forth movement of the senses. So it was originally thought that it the, the healing effect was just with the eyes. So the therapist would sit with the client and this still happens, watch my fingers. And so the therapist would literally move the fingers back and forth. Sometimes we do it at an angle, but it's primarily back and forth, watch my fingers. So that's where the eye movement, came from. And we believed that the eye movement was the healing effect. Well, we now know that it can be any of the senses. So for example, in my office, I use headphones and they beep bilaterally. Beep, 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 beep. beep. Yeah. And I also use two handheld sensors that pulsate bilaterally. So you have the beeping in the ears and the pulsing in the hands. So that's the equipment that you use. And it's it's that bilateral stimulation, the beeps, the pulsing. It, we also can do it where the therapist can sit in front of you and pat the client's knees bilaterally. Pat, 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 Pat Pat. Um, So that's, that's the experience of, of, you know, the equipment of what happens during EMDR. Now, there's a protocol that we follow to actually get ready for the EMDR and it's used during the EMDR. So the protocol is first And and we we typically, depending on time, do this ahead of time. So you might do this one session, and then the next session, the client would come in, and we actually sit down and do the EMDR. Okay, but the protocol is first, um, we have the client describe the traumatic incident. So sometimes people get a little sketched out about that. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go back into the incident. It's very simply describing it. And typically people can describe their trauma without too much emotional distress. So the first thing is to simply we we target the incident, you know, because some people have had mul- multiple traumas, many different types of traumas. And so Sometimes it can be a little bit labor intensive to figure out, okay, well, what traumatic event do we really want to target?
0: And I have found out just in working with people, what people deem as a level of trauma can be very different to very different people. I have worked with clients who, when they start telling me what happened to them, I will look at them and say the fact that you are getting yourself out of bed dressed and participating in life is mind-blowing to me. And then you'll have someone else who on the scale of a trauma it might not be you know I don't want to judge a trauma but it might not be one of like let's say the top 10 to to make it and they internalize it as it was the worst thing. So I've had to learn like how people view their trauma
1: exactly is completely different, right? And, and, and you make a really good point, and I was going to bring it up later. Um, th- there's some controversy about what actually is trauma. Okay. So, you know, so some would say, well, we would all agree that a violent rape is trauma. We would all agree that a brutal beating is trauma. Being fired at in war is trauma. We would all agree on that. But after all these years of doing this, I have come to believe, and and again, this is controversial, that, that trauma can be a conversation. Trauma... Um, can be a rejection. It, it, It just matters the emotional toll, the emotional effect that the situation takes on the person.
0: And I think that's really important because I think a lot of times, whether it's the person themselves that is stuck and can't move forward or whether it's someone who's trying to help someone that's stuck and can't move forward. You know, it's too easy to judge a trauma and say, oh, well, that wasn't a big deal, what's wrong with you? Right, but to the person, it could really be a huge
1: deal. Oh, exactly, that's exactly right. All right, Um, well, you know, just to throw this out there, I can remember the first EMDR I ever did, me personally, as I was the client. And it was a conversation I was about 15 years old and it was a conversation I had had with my mother in the kitchen. She was standing at the stove cooking something. I was behind her and we were talking about something, but for me, it was traumatic. And I did an EMDR about it and we can probably talk more about it later. And then many months later, I've experienced the effect of having done the EMDR about that, that no one would consider to be a trauma anyway. All right, so we we first describe the incident, simply describe it. The next step in the protocol is to identify what was the absolute worst part of that traumatic event, just to kind of get into the pain of that then the next step is, and this is really important, what is your negative belief about you now as related to that trauma? Because that negative belief, like I said before, has been carried for as long as, the, you know, however long ago the person had a traumatic event. That negative belief has infiltrated their lives. So then we um, ask, what emotion do you feel when you think of that incident? And then finally, where do you feel that emotion in your body? So what we're doing is we're getting the client in touch with the trauma cognitively, emotionally and physiologically.
0: Yeah, it seems like you're using a lot of the senses to bring them back in. Exactly. right? Because a lot of times when you have a trauma, people tend to leave their bodies, right? You don't wanna think about it, feel it. So it's almost like you're bringing them back into that
1: space. Right, so I have the client in my office, the way I do it, put the headphones on, hold the sensors, I'll read through basically just what I described what we had you know, written out prior, and then I start the beeps. Now the beeps will go twelve to fifteen seconds. And then I stop and I ask the client, what you experience? And the really, The really, I think, the really cool thing about EMDR is it's a completely passive experience or exercise, in that the client sits there and doesn't have to do anything but report what they experience. Now, that's really challenging for a lot of people because that's too simplistic. Like, am I doing it right? Or that can't be all there is to it. Are, are you sure I'm doing it right? That's
0: one of the reasons why I so wanted to have you on, because I I always feel like there's two philosophies with like therapy and help and, you know, getting yourself in a better space And I feel like there's this thought process of like, I have to be in therapy the rest of my life, focusing on this one thing. Like I've met people that 30 years later, you would think that that thing just happened an hour ago. Like they've never moved past it. And then there's the other viewpoint of let's go, let's dive in. Let's let's process this and let's move forward. And I've always been about the let's process it and move forward. Like don't, you know, you either... I have an ongoing joke. I have become who I am in spite of things, right? Some things you become who you are because of things, other things it's in spite, like you don't allow that to break you. So that's what I love about this is it doesn't have to be this 30 year commitment that it's all you're thinking about every single day of your life.
1: No, you know, I, I joke about this, but I, I really, it really is true. EMDR is like therapy at lightning speed. Yeah. And,
0: you know, I probably should have started with this, but I'm so excited about jumping in. Um, what, do you wanna just give a little bit about your background? Because you really are an expert in your field and you've been doing this for quite some time.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. in fact, it's so funny when when I was thinking about, you know, my bio, and that I've been doing this for 40 years. I'm thinking, oh wow, people can figure out how old I am, <laughs> which is kind of, which is kind of horrifying. Well, I
0: saw that and I thought she doesn't look that old. There's no way. <laughs> I was going to
1: say, is that a typo? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Um, my my formal training was at a VA hospital, actually, oh. um, not too far in Virginia, outside of Roanoke, mm-hmm. and um. But my entire career has been in private practice, just all day, every day, sitting and listening mm-hmm. to people's problems in living. Right. And and um, I've worked with all populations, all ages, probably most disorders. Mm-hmm. Um. And the the approach I take is is as related to to what we're talking about is I'm always listening for people's negative beliefs. and I'm watching for how they protect themselves from those negative beliefs. because right there, right there is the work um, that's going going to need to be done. So it's it's boundary work that will need to be done. Um, and ba- doing the boundary work is, is really the healing process in therapy, you know, if, if we can learn to set healthy boundaries. So essentially what I've done my whole career is address that, look at the negative beliefs, find the defense mechanisms, and, and then begin the boundary work with all populations.
0: So how does that work when someone comes to you, like, are they doing the EMDR work first? And then once you do that, then you're moving into the boundaries and the negative beliefs, or do you do the negative beliefs first? What's, what's the, or is it different for each person?
1: Well, it's, it's different for each person. Um, Unfortunately, there's sort of a popular belief today that, you know, EMDR has become popular. And So a lot of people want to try EMDR. um, But it absolutely, and this is actually a benefit of EMDR, but it absolutely has to be done within a trusting relationship. And so there has to be enough of a relationship between the client and the therapist before the EMDR can be done. So somebody can't, call and make an appointment for EMDR. Right, it's not like a drive-thru. <laughs> that, I'll that's have right. one EMDR to go. <laughs> that is exactly right. It is not like a drive through And so, you know, if, if people are kind of hell-bent on experiencing EMDR, I'm very willing to let that happen. But I'm very upfront about, you're going to have to know me and trust me. And I'm going to have to know enough about your psychodynamics to do this therapy there with EMDR. There really are no contraindications, but I have to know enough about what's going on with that client before we're going to do the EMDR. So what are the
0: benefits that you've seen using the EMDR as opposed to like traditional therapy approaches or do they go hand in
1: hand? Well, they, they, they definitely go, go hand in hand. And EMDR is a tool to facilitate therapy. And we can sit and we can talk about a traumatic event. And I think we can talk through that traumatic event with traditional talk therapy, but sometimes talk therapy doesn't cut it. And, and we're fortunate now to have a tool like EMDR as an addition to the therapy. Uh, Especially, especially if somebody is stuck in the trauma and is being triggered and it's really interfering with the quality of their lives, how wonderful that we have something like EMDR to help them move out of that, access resources to cope effectively with their lives. See, and that that is the primary benefit of EMDR, is that it's like I said, you know, I kind of conceptualize it that the brain freezes during trauma. Well, it's during EMDR, the way I think about it is is the brain just relaxes. And and then the person is able to access resources that they may have acquired along the way but can't access it. And so the the EMDR frees them up to be able to do that.
0: So what are some, you know, situations that you've seen where EMDR was just, you were just like, oh my gosh, this is just
1: amazing. Um, I, I have to say that most of the time, When I do EMDR, I have that experience. Oh my God, this is just amazing. Like for me as a therapist, it's almost a fun thing to do because the results can be so dramatic. One situation comes to my mind, a man that I've worked with, he had been horribly, horribly, horribly brutalized by his father and he had watched his mother be beaten and he was beaten just about every day of his life starting from age probably three and um something that he something that he struggled with was high control needs which makes sense you know his world was out of control but but what he did is as a little boy um, his mother was, his parents had separated at one point. His mother was off working in a bar and he would lay in the bed alone and just be terrified that the father was going to come back home. And so what he would do is he would rehearse escape routes. If he would hear like the dad come to, and he would do this night after night after night and lay in this just, Sweat-drenched bed. So take this from this little boy doing this to he's now an adult. You can imagine how he would try to control his environment. And so he would try to control his wife's safety. Um, Don't talk to that person. Don't engage with your boss. Don't buy that product. It just got bigger and bigger and bigger.
0: Right, and then someone that doesn't know the background history thinks, yeah. oh, because we love to use the word narcissistic thrown around that's all right. the time, right? That's there's right. Oh, there's right. someone who's got a narcissistic controlling personality, that's right. but yet it's really somebody who had a trauma who's
1: suffering. Correct, that's correct. See, and, and, and the other element here is in the families that we grow up in, the patterns of interaction in the family determine a blueprint, if you will. We learn how to relate, we learn how to interact, we learn what how to defend ourselves. All of that is kind of put into an unconscious blueprint in, in our unconscious minds. And as we grow up, we act out that blueprint. And so he was acting out the blueprint of trying to keep himself safe. With the EMDR, he was released from it. And these high control needs went away. And he, he was even able to report after the EMDR, you know, after he went back into his life and situations where he knew how he would have reacted historically before the EMDR and now how he was released from that how amazing is that it's, it's this this same individual also had this chatter in his head and a lot of a lot of clients actually who suffered a lot of trauma have this chatter going on in their head now they don't really identify it as that because it's so familiar. But through another EMDR with him, it just so happened as a byproduct. Now I don't even remember what the exact EMDR was, but as a byproduct of the EMDR, the chatter went away. It just went, and he was released from this chatter that he lived with for 55 years.
0: That's amazing
1: yeah, it is, it is, it is amazing. Amazing. So what are some of the other benefits of like, who, who
0: is the ideal person? Is it just anybody who, you know, is trying to heal themselves, get beyond a block, you know, is it good for people who they've tried other forms of therapy? Like, who is the ideal client? Let's say for
1: EMDR. Well, and and that's like and that's like we were talking earlier about trauma is controversial, and and so I personally think that we would be hard pressed to find someone who had nothing. There was no incident that you could do an EMDR. Now, again, you know, some, I think there, there would be some therapists, EMDR therapists that might disagree with that. It's been my experience that you and me, we could find, well, like I I, I talked about my EMDR, but with just about anybody, you can find a situation that that has been the residuals have been troubling their whole life. That can be EMDR. Two, two things that that I tell clients, you know, a lot of people report not remembering things. I don't remember my childhood. Well, I don't remember hardly anything in my childhood. Well, I don't remember anything from age 12 on. Well, that's not a good sign. That suggests emotional pain. So, somewhere in there, there's probably an EMDR. Certainly, there's an EMDR.
0: You mentioned before about how the EMDR works hand in hand with those negative belief systems. Like, you can't just do the EMDR, with then focusing on those negative belief systems and dealing with the negative belief systems. So, how do you make that transition from, okay, I've done this EMDR session? And now let's really dive into those negative beliefs.
1: Well, so with with the negative belief that's internalized during trauma, the EMDR is going to address that negative belief. And at the end of the EMDR, the person with a successful EMDR, which they mostly all are, will they're, they're, they're probably not going to walk out into the world and, you know, have the corner of the market on self-esteem, but they, they are going to feel some relief from that negative belief that they've carried their whole life.
0: Now, are they aware of what that is or the EMDR, you know, you mentioned like once they have the session, it kind of releases those tools and, those coping mechanisms and things like that. So, you know, after they have it, are they able to like identify, oh, this is that negative belief?
1: Um, Let me, I'll I'll give you an example, the, the example of my own first EMDR. Okay, so it was a conversation with my mother in the kitchen. So it was three months later and I was actually in training, learning how to do EMDR. And I was on the phone with the therapist who was teaching me EMDR. And so she had me read the EMDR protocol. And I read, I gave the history and she barked at me. And she was like, that's too much information. I don't need that much information. Stop it, just give me blah, blah, blah. my reaction, I probably can't say it, what, what I was thinking, but I was incensed that a colleague talked to me that way. In that moment, I knew that my reaction was the EMDR because I knew historically I would have felt like a child. I would have felt that I had done something wrong. I would have felt like I was a bad little girl. And and so that that is very 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 typical of what happens with EMDR. You'll find yourself in a situation, and wow, wow! I, I just had a different reaction than I normally. Your
0: reaction is different. Okay. Yes, and
1: that is okay. that is a huge benefit of EMDR.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, that is really amazing. Yeah,
1: um, and and the thing there really are no contraindications with EMDR, other than somebody that suffers from a dissociative disorder. We don't do EMDR. Right.
0: It's you and I were talking a little bit before we started and we were talking about um, negative beliefs that people have about themselves. Yeah. And I was saying how, you know, it cracks me up how we are all so tough on ourselves. And we never think someone else has a negative belief about themselves or someone has a negative opinion of themselves, right? I tell people all the time, we all have things about us that we don't like about ourselves, right? Or we all have these negative, you know, I'm not good at this or that. And we look at other people and we think especially in this day and age, right? With social media, everybody gets a 30-second flash of someone's life. And so many people that I work with, they're trying to live up to an expectation that is not even realistic. Yes. Because that that thing that they say, oh, I want to be a mother like that, that's a yeah. 30 second flash of someone's life. You're not seeing all the craziness that happened before that shot was taken. Yeah. Right. Sure. So we were talking about that. Do you want to talk on that a little bit about, you know, uh people's individual struggles? with negative beliefs and sometimes feeling like they're the only ones that are doing it wrong.
1: Well, yeah. Unfortunately, I like I was saying to you, I have a particular interest in negative beliefs and how we protect ourselves. And I believe definitively 100% that every single one of us struggles with negative beliefs because none of us have come from a family that has the corner of the market on mental health. Right. So I totally agree with you.
0: I really do. And no matter
1: how hard our parents tried to be the perfect parents, their parents were not the perfect parents and their parents were not. And so the, the pathology, if you will, the unhealthy patterns get passed generationally. And so we can work as hard, as hard, as hard as we can to correct things, but it, 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 we can't correct everything. And so each of us is wounded in our own ways. And, and I believe that the negative beliefs that we struggle with, they're insidious and they infiltrate so much of what we think and feel and because they're torturous and uncomfortable, depending on the extent of the negative belief, we then figure out ways to protect ourselves.
0: You'll love this. When my kids were little, I was divorced. So every time I would get that ma, I would go, you know what, you're gonna be fine. Here's a dollar for the therapy box. (laughs) I know very good therapists. you'll be fine. So my kids are grown now. And whenever we get together, they always talk about that. They're like, yeah, my mom, every time she would do something, she'd go, oh, you're going to be fine. Get over it. Here's a dollar for the therapy box. I'll get you really good therapy. Because I used to tease my kids all the time. And and this was so, I mean, I joked about it, but it was true. When, you know, you bought a TV, I got a manual like this thick. Yeah. I had a kid, I got a bib and a hospital bill and a nurse that was like, good luck to you right? Like, you know, the appliances you buy come with more directions. So as a parent, you know, I used to tell them, you're doing the best, you know, that you can, and you're going to make mistakes. And, you know, I know that at a certain time in history, we went through this cycle where everything were your parents' faults, right? And let's yeah. go to therapy for 9,000 years to talk about how evil your parents are. So it's funny because, you know, then when I became a parent, I was like, you know, parents are just doing the best and they can. That's exactly right. So, you know, yeah. So those negative beliefs, I just think that is such an important piece of the puzzle. And I just feel like, especially in the world that we're living in now, I feel like we're waiting for everybody else to change, to fix things, to make things better for us. And I just don't feel like there's enough people going, here's how you empower yourself. You know, I I have never really shared the details, but I went through a very serious trauma when I was younger. And it's very interesting how many different ways it has come up and manifested throughout my life, right? And I just want to tell this really crazy story real fast. I had years ago, I had a nun. I was at my healing center in New York and this nun walked in and she said, I do this new healing technique and I'd love to try it out on you and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, I'm always game. I'm like, yeah, that's great. So she said to me, think of something that you feel like is a block that you have. So I said to her, I want to know like why i can never hold on to money or why i never let people help me right so she's like well pick one i'm like all right well why i never let people help me so we go through this whole thing and it was similar to what you're talking about where she said to me well the crazy thing was is she did muscle tests yeah right so she never asked me about the trauma nothing she just said What do you want to focus on? I said, why don't let people help me? She said, let's see where this, where this is settled, where this belief is set." She literally went to the year of the age I was when this trauma happened. Okay. So then she said to me, very similar. I want you to just describe what you remember at the time of this trauma. And as I was talking about it, she said, stop right there. And she said, what's the first thought that you have? And I had never thought about 33, 34, when this was going on, my first thought was, I can never trust anybody to protect me. I'm always going to have to protect myself. And I was like, mind blown, right? Because I realized now it's funny because what we talked about before, I love that example you gave about that man, right? Because from the outside looking in, you know, people always say, oh, you're so independent. You're so stubborn is a word I get a lot and I am stuck. But a lot of that of not letting people help me of I have to figure it out myself. I have to do it myself. A lot of that does come from that trauma, you know? So I just think there's so much to that dealing with the trauma and understanding where am I getting that negative belief from? I think that is like one of the most freeing things that we could really do and do you find so once I had that awareness right it doesn't mean that that negative belief just totally disappeared and I've never visited it again right it's something that manifests but the difference is this time I'm aware of it I know exactly what to do when it happens and I know how to deal with it
1: you have power over it once you once you bring it into consciousness
0: right can you talk about that just briefly because i think sometimes people think well now that i realize i have this negative belief it's just never going to happen again and then when it does they go i failed at this i'm not doing it right but i don't think it's the the goal can't be that it's never going to happen again the goal is the awareness of it
1: the awareness of it and the perspective of it um, that, that it was put on you. It's not real. You know where it came from and that gives you power over it. And you know, you're so right. It's not like it, it just dissipates and goes into thin air. It's still there, but you have, you can work with it. And, and under stress, unfortunately it's going to intensify and so you have to be aware in stressful situations that it could infiltrate your thinking and so you have to stay mindful of it but you have power right. over right and it i love having that. that yeah conscious mind having that power and i think so, that's so much is bringing things
0: into yes, consciousness
1: and i think that's what this is all about
0: it's whether it's Therapy, or, you know, a different healing technique. It's all about taking your power back. It's not about perfection because it doesn't exist. It's not about, I'm going to read a book and never have a bad day because that's not realistic. It's about when you hit those little bumps in the road, having the tools that you need and the techniques that you need to move forward in the best way possible.
1: Yeah. And, 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 one of the most important things is if we can be honest with ourselves Mm. you know that's that's where the defense mechanisms you know the ways in which we protect ourselves from the negative beliefs and from other wounds um, get in the way they get in the way of us being honest with ourselves and with others and they get in the way of us getting what we really want in life.
0: Right. I keep thinking about that example you gave about that man. And I wonder like how many people really were aware of what happened to him, right? That if they would have known his background, if they would have interpreted his behavior in a different way.
1: Well, we actually actually had almost a mini experiment in that he and his wife were separated mm. while all this while these EMDRs were happening, and she lives, she was staying in Spain oh, where wow. she came and finally, finally, she came back um, to reconcile, and she she was dumbfounded by the dramatic wow. change in wow. him, and you know, essentially how calm he was how relaxed he was how you know she would she would engage in something and and you know how you have the expectation oh Oh boy yeah and he didn't and she would be like I can't believe it that's amazing yeah so
0: as we start to just move to wrapping up what is one thing people listening today what is the one thing that you would really like them to take with them today out of what we've talked about like what do you feel is the most important thing for them
1: well you know we talked a lot about negative beliefs and and um the importance of how how they can be such a negative in our lives and cause us to not live a fulfilled life in a lot of ways you know the the if if we believe something negative about ourselves we're going to try to protect ourselves about that and that's going to get in the way of us Going after the boyfriend we want, or going after the job we, we might want, or just telling somebody you're upsetting me, or telling somebody you know I really care about you, because we're in the business of protecting ourselves, and it th- that that self-protection really prevents us from having the fulfilled emotionally intimate lives we want to have and so you know we have to challenge our negative beliefs now i had somebody just just this week say to me oh yeah that's like having an umbrella in a hurricane that's really (laughs) going to help a lot but but a lot of what has to happen In therapy, for example, is, okay, we do the EMDR. We address whatever negative beliefs there are. But when the client leaves the office, there is work to be done in that we have to consciously talk to ourselves. And that's hard, very hard.
0: That's why I love what you say about, you know, all of the, negative self-talk and, you know, all this stuff, because it's so important. You can't, I think sometimes people think they're going to go and they're going to get a session done and you're going to fix right. them instead of you're going to give them the tools to do the work That's that correct. they need to do. That's correct. Yeah. No. Yeah. So no. if someone wants to work with you, what is the best way
1: to uh, reach out a to you? call. I, a phone call has served me well for 40 years i get i get <laughs> lots and lots of information in a phone call.
0: and i will and i will add all of your contact information in on that and i always love to ask everybody what is the thing that you love the most about what you do
1: i i love it when i see somebody feel relief when somebody feels better When I can see somebody make connections and have insight and kind of have that aha, but then ultimately to understand their pain and maybe make changes in their life that will help to eliminate that pain. And my last
0: question before we wrap up is what keeps you going during challenging times?
1: Um, I can't say maladaptive coping skills, right? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, it it actually is about checking my own coping skills. You know, we all know how we protect ourselves, and we learn how to protect ourselves and cope in the families we grow up in. So we can look we can look into our families and say, oh yeah, that wasn't very healthy. And now I'm doing that. And so it's hard to do just like self-talk, but to to be honest with myself about how I really am managing what I am really feeling about what's happening. Not easy to do though. Not easy to do.
0: So, if anyone's listening and they want to reach out to you and get more information, you are actually the owner of Pines Counseling in Southern Pines. I was so excited when I met you when you walked in, and I was like, Oh my God, I'm always recommending people for this EMDR. So, I was beside myself with excitement. Um, So, your website is pinescounseling.com. Or they can reach out to you 727-244-0151. And that's 727-244-0151. Or you can um, visit our website, pinescounseling.com. Thank you so much for making time today. I absolutely am so appreciative. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Lisa. It was fun.
0: Thank you for joining me on this incredible journey. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with a friend and hit subscribe. For more about my free live weekly happy hour via Zoom, my work, or visiting my Body Mind Spirit Spa and Gift Shop in historic downtown Southern Pines, North Carolina, visit spiritquestnc.com. Remember, life isn't always rainbows and butterflies but each and every day you have the power to be fantabulous. Embrace that power, let your inner light shine. Until next time, stay empowered and keep embracing life's magic.